0: differently why is that basically so let me tell you a little pastor secret at least for me anyway uh so when i'm i have the privilege of speaking this morning at three services and so when, when i'm doing that when i'm speaking at three services often when i sit down over here i try not to sing out loud because I kind of got to save my voice. I got to be able to speak three services. Unfortunately, when they sing such good songs and have such a good band and good singers, it's such hard not to stand over there and sing. So we have a great worship team. The song we just sang, Jesus, Jesus, was just such a powerful song. Fits so well with what we're talking about this morning that, again, it was hard not to sing. So next week, I'm going to tell John, pick bad songs and bad singers. So (laughs) definitely come back next week. It's going to be great. So. Uh, we are actually in the in the middle of a series, and this is the third week of a series of talks we're calling "Everyday Gospel." And Pastor Jeremy, who just did announcements, he spoke the last two weeks. I get to speak this week and next week on the same topic. And a few months ago, uh, we knew that we were speaking. We knew that we were going to combine our our weeks to talk about a series. And so we spent some time really kind of praying and asking God, "Hey God, what do you want to teach us? What do you want to teach us as a church?" And the one thing that really came forward was a one particular verse. And it was 1 Peter 3.15. Let me read it for you. It says this. It says, But in your heart, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So we call this series Everyday Gospel because this verse really kind of walks us through how do we actually live out the gospel in our everyday life. Now gospel means good news. And the message of Christianity is incredibly good news. There's good news that God loves us. God actually loves us deeply and even though we sin and we mess up God continues to love us, loves us so much that God sent Jesus to live on this earth. God actually sent Jesus to die as punishment for our sins. So the message of Christianity is unbelievably good news and this verse kind of walks through all right how do you live that out every day of your life in a way that you can live it and that you can actually share it with other people because ultimately god wants as many people as possible to know that god loves them to have a relationship with god in the last couple of weeks jeremy kind of talked through the first parts of this verse and this verse starts with the phrase revere christ as lord powerful, powerful words, it says, hey, this whole thing starts with revering Christ. It starts with understanding and appreciating and standing in awe of who Christ is. When we truly understand these ideas that God loves us, that Jesus actually came here to love, when we truly understand what Jesus did, coming down from heaven, God coming down to be on earth, when we truly understand that God did that for us, God actually loves each and every one of us, when we truly understand that, the only option is to really stand back in awe. To just be, in, wow, this is who God is? This is what God has done for me? This is who Christ is? This is what Jesus did for me? You can't help but just stand back in awe. And then the next step of this verse is once, if you understand that, if you understand that, if you made Christ number one in your life because you understand who he is, if you understand that, that what happens then after that is our life changes. Our life changes a little bit. The next part of this verse says, says be prepared to give an answer for, the, for the, when the, people ask you about the hope. The idea is behind this is that when you understand who Christ is, people are going to be like, hey, why do you live differently? They're going to notice that you live differently. When you understand who Christ is, automatically you're going to see the world a little differently and you're going to act differently. Automatically you're going to say, hey, if God is actually for me, then I can have a little bit more peace in my life because I know God's with me. Even if things are going a little bit rough, I know that God is with me. Not only that, if I understand that Jesus actually forgives me, then you know what, I'm actually going to be more forgiving to other people. I will have more peace in my life because I understand who Jesus is. I will have more joy in my life because I understand, hey, God's with me every moment. Of every day I'll have more purpose because I know that every moment I have the opportunity to actually share this love and joy and peace and hope with other people around me that's the idea behind these two things hey once you revere Christ as Lord it changes the way you way you act it changes the way you think it Changes the way you live and then people notice that's what Jeremy talked about the last couple weeks now I have the privilege of talking about the next couple weeks now the next couple weeks of this are hey people notice People notice, hey, you're living a little different, and they ask you, hey, what's going on? And then it says, well, you need to be prepared to give an answer, and it says to do that with gentleness and respect. And we're gonna actually talk about the last part of this verse first. This week, we're gonna talk about this idea of gentleness and respect. It's amazing, Peter chose to use those two words. He said, hey, when you share this, do this with gentleness and respect. Now, I do have to share, there is one problem this week. And the problem is, so I mentioned, you know, Jeremy and I met, we we got excited about what God wanted to teach us, what God wanted to teach the church, and and I kind of went home, and I was thinking about this, and and he spoke the last couple weeks, and part of that was because I was on vacation uh, with my wife's family, kind of a big family reunion, so he was going to speak on those weeks, I was going to speak these weeks, but all of a sudden, I was kind of studying this a little bit, and I had to go back to Jeremy, I was like, Jeremy, there's a problem. The problem is, I'm not very good at gentleness and respect, Somehow I have to come back. So I had this idea that, you know, even though obviously I love my wife's family, I could have just skipped vacation. But I love you if you happen to be watching this online. I would never do that. <laughs> you know, I thought maybe I should just skip the vacation and, and be able to preach so I don't have to preach on gentleness and respect. Because to be honest, I'm not known as a very gentle person. I'm, I'm known as a very straightforward person. Sometimes blunt, kind of just say things the way they are, Maybe not in the way you should say them. That, that's more how I'm known. Like not not agenda. Somehow I gotta get up here and talk about gentleness and respect. Now, what I am excited about is to be honest, this is an area where I really ask God to help change my life. My wife isn't here this service, she'll be here next service, and you ask her, and she's gonna say, yeah, he's a little bit better. And that's true. I'm a little bit better. I, you know, I I'm a little bit better the way I used to be, and part of it is because I spent time studying. Hey, hey, what does it actually look like to live with gentleness and respect? To interact with people with gentleness and respect. It's interesting, Peter decided almost 2,000 years ago he was gonna use those words. And it's kind of interesting because the rest of this verse is like, hey, you're gonna revere Christ, you're gonna be excited about who Christ is, you're gonna be living in a way that you have more hope. And, but when you share it with people, be careful because you really need to have gentleness and respect. Why did he include that at the end? Why did he include that kind of, that warning, that admonition to say, hey, hey you, you need to be, you need to make sure you have that. And the reason is because we are almost 2,000 years after this book was written. And still, actually, the church struggles to be a place of gentleness and respect. Unfortunately, oftentimes the reputation of the church is not a place of gentleness and respect. It's actually a place of judgment and condemnation. Thomas Rainier is a uh, researcher, he's a Christian researcher, and he does a lot of research on things like how people outside the church view those inside the church. And so he did a study, he asked thousands of people kind of outside the church, hey, how do you view people inside the church? And the number one thing they said is, well, we often know what the church is against, but we don't often know what the church is for. In fact, this is one of the answers of one of the people he interviewed. It says this, it says, it just seems to me Christians are mad at the world and mad at each other. They're so negative. They seem unhappy. This person went on to say, I have no desire to be like them and stay upset all the time. Unfortunately, the church often has a reputation of being judgmental instead of gentle. So, this morning, I want to look at how do we do that? How do we actually be gentle and respectful in our lives? The first thing is to understand, well, what does it actually mean to be gentle? What gentleness means, gentleness means that your method, which means your language, your tone, your demeanor, it matches the message of good news. The word gospel means good news. And ultimately the message of Christianity is that God loves us. God loves us deeply. God wants to forgive us. It is a unbelievably good news. But sometimes our method, our tone, our demeanor doesn't match the message. And you know what it's called when your method does not match your message? It's called a hypocrite. And that's another reputation often for those of us in the church that we're hypocrites. That what we say, the words we say, don't match who we are, how we live, our demeanor, our tone. And because of that, unfortunately, we sometimes misrepresent God. We misrepresent God because this message is a message of good news and our method, our tone, our demeanor of language is not good news. Now I know there's some of you that are like, well Josh, We really just need to tell people the truth. We need to tell people the truth, and sometimes the truth hurts, and sometimes the the gospel is offensive, but we need to tell people the truth. And you are partially right. We desperately need to tell people the truth. We desperately need to tell people, hey, God loves you. God wants the best for you. We desperately need to tell that. But I, I do have one caution, that if you're one of those people, you really need to hear this message on gentleness and respect. Now, next week, we're going to talk about giving an answer. You're probably better at giving an answer, so come back next week and make fun of everyone else. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But if you're one of those people, you probably need to, hey, you know what? I I may need to work a little bit on my gentleness and respect, but I'm right there with you. I I said, you know, hey, I'm a blunt guy. That's kind of the way I am. And so I found there's a few things that the Bible kind of teaches that really helps us understand how we can actually have this gentleness. What does it mean to be gentle? One of the first things that helps us be gentle is understanding that it's more important for people to feel loved than for me to be right. It's more important in any interaction I have with someone that they actually feel loved than that I'm right. Now, I'm a person that actually likes to argue. I like to argue just for fun. I like to take the other side of the position just to mess with you. So when it says, hey, it's more important to be loving, it's like, well, no, that's not fun. What's fun is arguing. Maybe not for you, but for me it is. Some of you are like that as well. You're like, I gotta be right. And some of the reasons we're so in town on being right is because we know the message is so important. It's often for good reason. It's not like we wanna be mean, we wanna be bad. It's like, this message is so important. You're living your life in a way that it actually leads to, to what, not what you want. It's destructive for you, it's not true. And so I'm so passionate about telling you that I'm gonna tell you what's right. But the problem is if the method, if the language, if the tone that we're trying to tell people what might be right doesn't match with the message, they actually don't hear the message. It's more important to let people know, hey, I I love you, than it is to make sure that we are right. And there's times when we know we're right. I know I'm right. I know you're wrong. And yet it's still more important for the person to know that they're loved than for you to be right. The second idea is that gentleness means being as interested in listening to their ideas as sharing ours. As interested in listening to their ideas as sharing ours. If you're more interested in making sure you get to tell them everything you know, If you're more interested in making sure they get to hear everything you say, they may not hear very much. If you're not genuinely interested in their ideas, why would they be genuinely interested in yours? It is so much more important to be interested in who they are as a person, in what they believe. And again, sometimes it's because we're excited. We're excited about what we believe. We're excited about what God's done, and so we want to share it with people, which is phenomenal. We should do that. But know that as we do that, we need to be as interested in hearing from them. In fact, one of the best ways to share is maybe asking people what they think, what their views are, how they see the world. As I said, this gentleness thing is not always what I'm the best at. A few weeks ago, we were having a meeting here at church, and there was a meeting about something that we had to do, and it was going to inconvenience some of us as a staff, and so we're talking about some of the issues with that, and and I got a little annoyed, and people were complaining a little bit, and I kind of snapped a little bit. I looked at one person, and I said, hey, when you work at a church, that's who you are. You inconvenience yourself to serve other people. That's what it means to work at a church, and if that's not who you are, then maybe this isn't right. I had to get together with that person later in the afternoon and be like, hey, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And some of the things that I said were actually right. <laughs> I didn't say that to them, but you know, they were. But this is a person I worked with. This is actually a very servant-hearted person. And they had some legitimate ideas that I wasn't listening to because I needed to tell them what I needed to tell them. And ultimately, I had to say, hey, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the way I talked about that. That wasn't right. That wasn't okay. And they said, hey, don't worry. It didn't bother me. I, I know who you are. <laughs> oh. Ooh. oh, maybe that's not the best thing for them to say either. You know? <laughs> but ultimately, sometimes, actually, we know we're going to mess up. You know, I, I mentioned that last week Jeremy talked about how, hey, we're going to live a little differently. And, and there are times when we don't. Sometimes the best way to represent God well is when you make mistakes to admit you made the mistake and ask for forgiveness. That represents God well. That represents gentleness to another person. To admit, hey hey, man, I, I did this wrong. This isn't the way I was supposed to talk to you. I'm sorry about that. That is a powerful way to represent who God is. And so Peter says, hey, when you talk, when you interact with people, you need to do it with gentleness, The method needs to match the message of good news. And then he uses the second word. He uses this word respect. Which is also an incredibly powerful word to describe what it means, what it looks like to represent God well. To represent God well in the way we talk and interact with other people, that we do that with respect. And for me, there's been one verse in the Bible that really shows this is what it looks like to be respectful. This is the way people who are respectful think and act. And that verse was written by Paul, and it's Philippians 2, 3, and 4, and it says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interests of others. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Consider others better than yourself. Ultimately, respect comes down to treating other people like they're better than you. Disrespect comes down to you thinking and treating people like you're better than them. That's what disrespect is. I'm better than you. You did something wrong. Well, I'm better than you. I wouldn't have done that. You sinned. I wouldn't have done that. I'm better than you. Respect comes down to treating people like they are better than you. And the Bible says we need to do this even if people are actively trying to harm us. Like Jesus said, love your enemies. An enemy is someone who's actively trying to harm you, do bad to you, mess with you at work, undercut you. That's what an enemy is. And Jesus said, hey, love them. Even people who are actively actively trying to harm you, you're supposed to treat them like they're better than you. Wow. Unfortunately, One of the reasons the church has struggled with this was we have a hard time doing that. There's been a phrase that's used sometimes in the church, a phrase used in the church that says, hate the sin, love the sinner. A lot of you probably heard that phrase. If you use that phrase around me, I will have a very hard time being gentle with you. (laughs) And the reason is that phrase is fundamentally, fundamentally flawed. The first part, hate the sin, that's actually true. We should hate sin. Sin is doing things in a way different than God intended. And God always wants the best for us, and sin is just doing things that aren't in the best interest for us the way God created it. That's what sin is. We should hate that. The problem is that second phrase that says love the sinner. Anytime you call someone the sinner, it sounds like you're up here and they're down there. you can't call someone the sinner without being like, hey, I know you're the sinner, but I'm gonna be nice to you anyway. You cannot, that phrase inherently has this view that I'm better than you because you're the sinner, but don't worry, I'll love you anyway. It's disrespectful. Ultimately, you got to say something like, hate the sin and we're all sinners or hate the sin and I'll treat you better, like you're better than me, but that's not very catchy. <laughs> that statement is inherently flawed because comes with it the idea, hey, you know what? I'm better than you. And one of my questions for you is, what are the areas that you have a hard time treating someone as better than yourself? Who are the people within your life that when you go through your everyday, you look at them and you're like, oh man, not them, I'm better than them. You don't say that out loud, hopefully. But many of us think that way. What are the areas in your life? I don't know what they are for you. Unfortunately, I do know what they are for me. In my life, I, I've always done pretty well in school. You know, even going back to high school, I did pretty well. I went to college. I, I have an economics degree from one of the top 20 universities in the country. And then I worked for a little while. Then I went back to graduate school. I actually have a master's degree from one of the top, really two or three universities in the country. And uh, sometimes I would say, maybe as a result of that or who I am, when I talk to people, it can sometimes come across like I think I'm smarter than you. And the reason it comes across that I. Th- you know, that I might think I'm smarter than you is most of the time, I think I'm smarter than you. (laughs) And the truth is, we have that for all of us. It may not be that you think you're smarter, but maybe it thinks that you don't sin as much, or you wouldn't sin the way that other person does. I mean, I can't believe they did that. That is way worse than anything I would ever do. I don't know the way that you disrespect other people the way that you think they're better than you, but I know what the Bible says is that ultimately if we were to share the good news with respect, it would be amazingly powerful. Let me ask you a question. Can you treat someone who is doing something you find reprehensible like they're better than you? Can you treat someone who has different political views than you, like they are better than you? Can you treat your kids like they're better than you? Can you treat your parents like they're better than you? Did you hear that, Eli? (laughs) Can you treat your spouse like they're better than you? This is what the Bible calls us to do. Can you share your faith with someone who doesn't like it, disagrees with you, and thinks you're wrong, like they are better than you? That is what this passage calls us to do. It calls us to see everyone around us like they are better than us you know who did this the very best in the history of the world? A guy you may have heard of, his name's Jesus. This passage starts with the idea, revere Christ, and it always comes back to that every week. If we understand who Christ is, he was the God, he was all-knowing, all-powerful, and he came down to live on Earth. And he never sinned. He never made a mistake. And yet, when he was here on Earth, people, who were messing up his world were drawn to him because he treated them with gentleness and respect. Think of the story of the woman. There's a story in John chapter eight of a woman who was caught in adultery. She was caught red-handed. She was guilty. She was pulled out onto the street. There were a mob of people who wanted to stone her because she was guilty. Jesus goes into that area and he says, okay, okay, you can go ahead and throw a stone As long as you've never sinned, people drop their stones. Everyone in that mob thought they were better than that woman. I'm better than you. You're messing up. I'm better than you, so I get to stone you. There was only one person who legitimately could have thrown a stone at that woman. Who was that person? Jesus. He was the one person that had never sinned. And she was messing up his world that he had created. He had every right to me. I'm going to throw No, he treated her with gentleness and respect. And because of that, her life was transformed. She's like, I'll follow this guy. Can you believe who he is and how he treated me so different than everyone else? This just wasn't just an isolated incident. Think about the Samaritan woman. There's another story where Jesus is at a well middle of the day, it's hot out. This woman comes to the well. It's an odd time to come to the well. Most people would come in the morning when it's early. She comes later in the day. Turns out she's kind of an outcast in her community. Not only that, she's a Samaritan woman, which is kind of a lower type. She's kind of a half breed of a person. Jesus is a Jewish man. A Jewish man is not supposed to talk to a Samaritan woman because a Jewish man is better than a Samaritan woman in that society. And Instead, Jesus talks to her. Not only that, he finds out the reason she's kind of an outcast is because she's lived with a bunch of guys. She's living with a guy now that's not her husband. And to be honest, she's doing stuff she shouldn't do. And so she just had every right to be like, oh man, you're just a mess. I'm not going to talk to you. And instead, he does the exact opposite. He talks to a woman that in the culture he wasn't supposed to talk to because he was better. He shares with her and he talks to her in a way that she's so excited about who he is. She gets so excited, she goes and tells her entire town, hey, look at who this guy is. Look at how he treated me. Look at what he did. Look at how he interacted with me. He interacted with me in a way different than anyone else in this town. Because he treated her with gentleness and respect. We have such an amazing opportunity to share the good news that God loves us so much with people every single day. And the truth is, this topic is something BlackRock does very well. Jeremy mentioned that 58 people came. Most of the people, you know why they came? Because you invited them. You did just what this verse says. You were living in such a way, and they're like, hey, what's going on? They're like, well, I have this faith, and I, I have this thing. Maybe you should come visit my church. And so they come. Many of us here, we do this really well. You show gentleness and respect, but just imagine what God has planned for us. I mean, every single one of us probably can do this better. I've shared openly, boy, I can do this a lot better. Just imagine if the church, rather than being known as sort of a judgmental, hypocrite place, was known as a place of gentleness and respect. Known as a place, hey, I go there and and I disagree with what they say. I don't even agree with them, but I know they're gonna treat me with respect. I know these people. I know they're gonna treat me with gentleness, even though they might disagree with me. Even though they might think they're right and I'm wrong. Even though they might think they're better or smarter than me. I know they're going to treat me with gentleness and respect. That's Jesus' vision for the church. That's Peter's vision for the church. That's Paul's vision for the church. That's all of our vision for the church. A place where people are known, hey, you can go there. You can go there because they know, they know that they are going to be treated with the same gracious selfless, loving nature that Jesus did. I'm going to ask you all to go ahead and just stand. We're going to take a moment. And what I'd like to do is just give you a moment. Just between you and God, that you can take a moment and you can say, Hey God, Maybe I'm sorry for the way I haven't been as gentle and respectful as I can. Maybe God's brought someone to mind. Maybe God brought someone to mind that you're like, you know what, I need to reach out and go talk to that person. So I'm gonna give you a moment. I'm gonna be quiet. And I'm gonna close this service with a prayer. Thank you, God, for how gentle and respectful he is to all of us. Take this moment between you and God. So God, we are just so incredibly grateful. We are so in awe of who you are. A God who loves us so much. You sent your own son Jesus to live on this earth. To come down and spend time with people who are actively messing up his world. And he came down here with such a love, a gentleness, and respect that people were drawn to him. God, I pray that you would help us to be even more in awe, to revere Christ even more, so that when we see someone, whether it's someone we like, someone we dislike, someone who's actively trying to harm us, we can treat them with the gentleness and respect that you treated us. God, we know it's not easy. I know there's people here in that in, 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 are in here today that have some tough situations they're going through, that have some really tough people in their lives. And so, God, I pray specifically for those. I pray specifically for those who are going through some tough situations, who have some tough, tough relational issues going on, where it is so hard to treat people with gentleness and respect. We pray that you would give them a special infusion of your grace, of your peace, and your joy. And so what comes out of their mouth is the gentleness and respect that you have treated us with again god we stand in awe of who you are and what you've done for us we pray this in jesus name amen Thank you. we want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online and we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like jesus through these please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And also know that you can give to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have these videos online and for us to impact our community.